This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 23 of Equestrian Legends, presented by Pessoa. Hello, I'm Chris Stafford, and my guest this week is German show jumper Hans Gunther Winkler. But first, a message from our presenting sponsor. The name Pessoa is legendary in equestrian circles. During his phenomenally successful career as a rider, Nelson Pessoa set his sights on creating the ultimate in saddle design. Not satisfied with the perfection of balance, aesthetics and craftsmanship, Nelson's goal was to provide riders of every level the opportunity to train and compete in a true competition-level saddle. A saddle that would be an aid to their balance and riding style, while offering a comfortable fit for most any horse. Most importantly, Nelson felt that the saddle was a tool that riders should not miss out on because of price. With these goals, the modern-day Pessoa was born and has come to encompass saddles, strap goods, horse boots and blankets. You can find out more about all of these products by visiting the website at PessoaUSA.com. Hans Gunther Winkler was born on July 24, 1926 in Wuppenthal-Barmen, Germany, the only child of Paul and Emmy Winkler, nay Tim. He is one of the most successful riders in Olympic history, with five gold, one silver and one bronze medal from Stockholm in 1956 to Montreal in 1976. He was twice world champion in 1954 and 55, and European champion in 1957, all on the great mare Haller. In addition to five European Championship medals, he was German national champion for five years in a career during which he represented Germany on 105 occasions with several wonderful partners, including Orient, Torfi, Fidelitas, Romanus, Enik, and Sonnenglanz. Following military service during World War II, he proved his entrepreneurial skills by capitalizing on post-war essentials in the textile industry. Never losing sight of his ambition to become an Olympian, Hans maintained a business career in order to retain his amateur status. He was a member of the German National Federation and German Olympic Committee, and has been recognized with several distinguished accolades, including the Great Cross of Merit with Star of Merit of the Federal Republic of Germany, and the German Rider Gold Cross. He is the author of five books over three decades, including a biography of his great partner Haller. Hans lives in Warendorf, Germany, where he manages the sports marketing company he founded in 1992. He was married four times and has two children, Jorn and Jit. Well, Hans, welcome and thank you very much for being my guest this week. Well, it's a pleasure talking to you. Well, your story, of course, is legendary on the sport of show jumping and what you've achieved. And now in your mid-80s, you're still involved with the sport. Tell us what would be a typical day for you now. A typical day for me is working in the morning in the office and then having consistently outdoor being like I've been still in business, I have a marketing firm, I organize horseshoes, I organize many things around the horse, so I've been involved. I've been in a jumping committee for the German Olympic Committee, so I've been part of this. Even so, in my age, after, well, I was going to retire, but they didn't let me retire, they hold me back, so I'm full-time job. Because, you know, the German jumping is a big organization, there's over 400 shows, so by 52 Sundays, there's enough to do. So you're still doing quite a bit of traveling then to these shows? Yes, mm-hmm. 45,000 kilometers. 
And you mentioned the marketing company that you started, I think, 20 years ago. What prompted you, Hans, to start that company? Because you obviously had been a rider. You knew the sport so intimately. But why in marketing? What did you feel the need was? It was the time. The time was made for the change. Ride sport was before, or jumping was generally organized by organization, riding clubs, all kinds of sorts, but they were not prepared for organizing big shows. So this was the start of marketing. What was the differences that you were seeing then from when you were a competitor to the modern needs of the sport? Well, of course, our time in sport with Bill and all his big friends was a gentleman's sport. Elitaire, not for everybody, for the top. But with the time passing by, the recovery was out. It was getting the old, old people's sport for everybody, especially in Germany. So it gets popular. It needs more money. But the organization who was paid before, the civil organization was, were not willing and were not so rich to do this. So the, and I saw this sponsoring, the way of sponsoring abroad. When I was traveling in abroad, then I saw the big sponsors. So I was looking here and found the UPS, UPS, United Parcel Service, who was then not known in Germany or in Europe. But some friend told me that they were looking for a sport to get a foot in the, not in the right sport, in the sport. So I found him, I was traveling to Darmstadt. Darmstadt is the the home of Halla. Halla was born in Darmstadt. And I found a general manager in a small indoor ring with a small tent representing the big UPS. And I, have, I was informing myself, I know how big they are, and I told him, what the hell are you doing here? This big firm, yeah, da, 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 because I haven't found the right enter. He had a clue about ride sport. His wife was dressage rider, but amateur. But anyhow, it was friends who told him go there. And I found him. I invited him to Warendorf, showed him my place, showed him the German Olympic Committee, showed him the organization. But my luck was the organization is not a business organization. So the, he, was, he was getting untouched, was coming back to the private Hans Günther Winkler. And I thought that it was a good idea to show this general manager the German sport. It was, by doing so, we had a big fair. It's a big organization in Essen. Very famous. It's, so there's all, all the organ, all the business are is based there for one time in a year. So I was going there and go to any seller from any kind of goods. I was coming in, and the people were not prepared. I was coming in, they were astonished that I, the Ganswinkler, was coming to them in a small business. So I was going to 10 to 10. Every tent was happy to get the contact. The business, the manager said, well, he promised a date next week, fixed date. So we made, in two days, we said, a fortune in goods. From there, I going. I was going to him with him to the Bremen uh, indoor horse show. The same story. I was the general manager from the show, and I asked the speaker to invite the general manager in the door to make a live interview. So the general manager was a former marine, typical American story, from a marine to a manager, and the manager was happy because he couldn't t tell his story, and the people were very nice to him. Again, he got big contacts, so then we were coming back to my house, and we made a plan. So going to the big shows, going to big firms, and I was the marketing man for Europe, for this United Nation, for UPS. And even though the American headquarter was not very happy, about what the manager was doing because they had the slightest idea about right sport. So he, they had to explain. So the, the, the thing was that every year he had to come to the general meeting and tell them the results and how good the business were. 
prison cigarettes were good. I was getting one for one buck. I got ten bucks back. I made really good business. So the agreement was, as long as you make such big business, I stick my neck out for you. So this was going for ten years. In this time, to talk about the highlights, I sponsored with UPS Atlanta Olympic Games. Spent one million two hundred thirty Deutschmark. The former accounts for our uh, sport sponsoring was thirty thousand Deutschmark, thirty-five thousand, and we spent one. I never forget one million three hundred sixty. UPS sponsored the whole Olympic riding sports, all three big games. And I promised the only thing was, why you want to have such money? They will be driving with 35 horses going over the ocean. And, and I promised that we get two gold medal, bronze and, and silver. When, you, when we didn't get this, then you can fire me. Because being sounds a little bit big-headed. But we were very dominating in dressage. So there was, we for sure get a medal there. We were see the event a little bit tough. And also we were in jumping very big. So it was not very risky. So I got to 40. The general manager from United Parcels Worldwide was getting in the middle of all the group. My manager from the Europe was one side. I'm on, 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 on the left side. It was, again, fantastic. Also in Miss Australia, two times the same. And it was a big business for United Parcels Service. Germany has produced many champions over the years in the Olympic disciplines. What do you think has been the enduring philosophy behind its continued success? Because we have a system. I'm the father of this idea. Before we had the army, the cavalry was giving us grooms who were retiring, giving us officers who were retiring, and being then in the sport. But these gentlemen were getting older, and there were no teachers, so we produced riders without any system. It was working as long as my age group was riding, but then, little by little, we lost. Then in 1955, sorry, we lost the first nation cup in Aachen. That was alarm in the homeland of our sport, losing. So then I said, because I was general manager of this riding organization for equitation, and I thought we have to teach Young riders, we have to teach our system. I thought in America, what is the big Young Riders Cup? The North America Junior and Young Rider Championships. This I saw. So I said, we must have this. With the, with the top on this, you go for style and beauty. We go for riding affection with our dressage system, getting the horse controlled in the forwards movement. You go hours forwards, forwards, forwards. If it fits, is good. If the stride is good, but if you're unlucky, you've been on the ground. So we are not, and we are not on the ground. We are having close contact. We're controlling the horse in the forward movement to do our system. So in this case, for the last 20 years, the HCW have made me myself four big classes from ponies to juniors. Training, making programs who ask for a dressage program connected with jumping, combining, and with keeping horses and whole combined system with the horse. Learning them who hasn't had any school how to come closer. And with this system, doing so is see, like we are doing this with football or anything. We have produced our young riders. All the, the famous riders you know now been going to my system. So then now we have, instead of one, we have 20, 30 top young people. And from the top, we have always in the Olympic Games, if some old one falls out, we had always a replacement. People who've been trained, not only in the young riders, been in this matter, we have given them a chance to compete in the younger age in international classes or whatever. Not only could ride, they were been in Aachen, they been everywhere, so they were, we have systematically produced young riders. And then on top comes that the German breeding changed from farm horses, we arranged to the, with the tractor. That was the end of our breeding, so we horses had to be destroyed. The farmers didn't need any horse more. So all on the green field, we breed with good half-bred horses, blood with 
good, solid mothers. So that is what's giving us horses who have enough blood to compete with your thoroughbred horses, but being more solid, solid for the sport, for the daily or the weekly competition. So this all together, the breeding and my system, based on what I've learned, because my idea was to get a cavalry officer. That was my dream, but thanks up to the war, that was no one anymore. So I just changed from the gray, from the army suit into a red coat. You were the only child, so where did the horse interest come from? For my father. My father was in the First World War in the cavalry. He lost the war, he changed into the police force, riding police force, just to get a job. And we had a very bad time by losing the war, and we had big trouble to stay alive as a nation. But we were willing to work as a German to come back. We were 90 million. There was a strong will to recover. And so after a while, when the things got a little bit better, my father quit the police, was to be as a cavalryman, to be a policeman. It's not really very elegant way. Even it's maybe unfair. A policeman has a very, good, very difficult job. But you understand what I mean. Of course, he wanted to do with horses. So then he got a riding teacher in Wuppertal Barmen, where I've been born, staying for five years in Wuppertal. There I was kindergarten and then going to school. But for my whole system, my whole idea was for my father, being not able to be a cavalry officer anymore, cavalry officer, white cavalry officer, because only being a cavalry officer, I was coming to the German um, Hanover, to the big army school. You have the same in America the headquarter of the cavalry, and then from the headquarter, you've been selected for the team who repeat for Germany. So the dream of the young Hans Günther Winkler, that's my whole name, was to be a cavalry officer, getting officer, getting to Hanover, and then riding for Germany. This was, the dream was started in the next job for my father in Dortmund. Dortmund, the final place of the big indoor horse shows. There my father had a better shop. More horses, I got my first pony, and I saw our top riders riding, and I decided with the age of 10, getting 11, I wanted to be like the Captain Brinkman, Mickey Brinkman. That was then our elegant, most international, successful rider from the cavalry school. I wanted to be like this wonderful person. So this was a decision I never have changed. Never have changed with losing the war, difficulty, losing the father, losing, losing, losing. I've been straight away to the chair I'm sitting now in. When you very first got on a pony, was it a pony that you started with? The ponies then was not your ponies, riding ponies. We had this ghastly wild animals who really were difficult to ride. The good ponies were coming from England then, but we started with small ghastly horses. So any as a, as a son from the riding teacher, I got only the horses who were not going with the clients. So then they were called Mickey, Mickey the Sheik, who was beautiful looking, but not a nice character. So I got this pony because nobody could ride it. So that was my first test, how to break in a horse. So. I was coming in, I was quicker, kicked out, in and out, kicked out. So I got my lesson that I have to find a way to talk to the pony. I talked to him, I told him stories, I, well, I used a bucket of cold water, but I didn't hit because I found if I start hitting, then I had an enemy. I tried to get him as a friend. We were finished up as friend, and with this pony, we were five years in Dortmund, in the third year, in the Sana, in the pony quadrille. 30 ponies with 30 children, starting in Trot, in Kenta, and then it finished up in a runaway to the gear. We out and it was wild. But it was my first way into our shows. It had nothing to do with the trained ponies who jump and go, was come straight on. And anyhow, my dream was not pony, so it was riding. The riding was starting up to my age. There was no way. My father was at very strict school. If the school the notes were okay, then you can go after. If made your homework, you can do come in the stable. The idea was not for him to make a ride of me, a cavalry or a gentleman, because my father was born in the east as a son of a big farm. And during the war, the farm was destroyed. I lost the whole family in the east, not being Nazi, but was to the Russian. So but anyhow, we've been to lots of painful matters to the war. 
Well, of course, that was a very difficult time in growing up. As a young teenager, you would have been through the war. Your father, as you said, was strict. How did he prepare you for life, Hans, with the background that he had and, and what he had suffered? My father was a wonderful person. That means he was a German. What do you understand by German? He was trustful, thankfully intelligent, not believing in eating. Not that he was soft, but he was a respectful man. In my whole life, I got a car on my popo as a child. I don't know why. In my whole life, otherwise, and he was saying his word or the word. And he never asked me the impossible. He was leading in the in the meaning of the word. And he was just uh, ideal for me, but he was not big talking. The time was not big talking. We, but with the little we, do, we were doing, we, we were doing well. So in this way, nobody could change me. I had this idea, being a cavalry officer, it's the Jane of 11. Either my father or anybody could, because my father had no influence of this. This when I was 11, from five years, from Wuppertal to Dortmund, we were in 1939. He got a job, the first good job in Frankfurt. The manager of a competition stable, of a horse show, show stable from a rich man. So that was the first time he could show horses and could be what he was dreaming as a young boy. What was your mother like? Just a nice mother. Looked after her child, but she was nice, strict, but not because I was just a, a nice sweet kid and beautiful looking young boy. <laughs> <laughs> but I was, if I may say so, I know that I have to do certain things to achieve certain things. I never was jealous about anything. Because I know wherever I was doing, I was doing it right to come to the right door into the next step. So I've reading a lot of books. My hobby was reading, learning from the big histories in writing all this. So I was a clever cookie. I was, but I was a street fighter. Because of the situation, I had to learn it hard way. But the hard way always were, for me, when people were hard, I've been very close to crying, very soft on one side. But my character, but, and my father, they don't start hitting first. First, start talking. I was well educated and not a strong street fighter. But my character was lucky enough that when somebody thought I was a coward, I would go to the corner. But then, before it got sunny, that I learned, because there was in this kindergarten, there was a guy who was taller than me, and he was always used to hit me on the ear. He was a long arms. That, was painful. My father said to wait for the right moment and a person has also a weak point. You are small and he is tall. And if you look to the lower part of the body, you find a place where boys being sensitive. So the next time you pull yourself together, you wait for the moment then shout like an Indian, run into his lower part, hit him in the balls and you will have a friend or a man who will respect you. I learned by this be nice, be nice, but don't let yourself go down. Because when you start hitting, you're losing. In the end, you're a loser if you're not a professional boxer. Now, you clearly were self-disciplined. The system was the German were disciplined. But my father, being told all this disaster, he had his own mind. He had some of his grandparents were a little bit better. Better people, well-educated, had a bigger place. So he had something, he lost his quality of life over the wars. But he was giving me the feeling that with the right management, with the right way of behaving, I could come to a bigger step in life. I have nothing against working people. That was My thing was officer, standard officer, riding for Germany. It was done. I want to do it. And I was just doing it. And I still was then 14 years old. And this 15, the war starts, and he was asked to join the German army. He was too old, I was too young. So from this moment on, I lost my father. My father was then in the army, he had to serve, even so that he was first in training centers as a teacher, army teacher. So but he was out, he wasn't there. I was alone with my mother, and I never had a chance really to learn the character of him. He had told me I was just straight, the good parts of the Germans, I was implanted in, <laughs> inside of me. Many people were in a good family, we were well educated. What do you remember of the war then? What 
was your involvement? My father was out. I was going to school. Then I was with the age of 16. There was the Arbeitsdienst, the working force. It was a official organization before the army. Young people go to the working force. It means they had no weapon, so we had a shuffle. The young people have to go to farms. Wherever we need of working, we had to do this. So my thing was everybody had to do it. Even though I have to say that the wartime changed all these wonderful parts. What we had, war was never nothing. War was coming into Germany. War was little by little much involved. My mother was alone in Frankfurt. I was staying with my mother. And I was going to school, then connect with, that's a boy, like a Boy Scout organization, little young organization for young people. And this organization had, you can do sport. If you were good in riding or flying or whatever, the government made possible that you do this sport. And also, they were good to train your brain. To make it very clear, I had a wonderful childhood that had nothing to do with Nazi, 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 only that the Nazis were clever enough to put interest in young people. And then this working force, then I was connected. The last thing I was working as a, being as a soldier, we had to be anti-aircraft. You know, you, you were coming over Frankfurt, you were coming with your big planes and bombing, bombing, and downstairs we were staying and try to get these planes down as young people. So this was my connection with the war because I was then fighting that my mother who was in Roundoff that the armies are not coming to Roundoff. Civil war situation. It's difficult to understand, but anyhow, in the last year of the war, in 1944, I was asked to serve the army. Light artillery in Mühlhausen in Turing. So I was in the army. The Russians come from one side, the Americans from the other side, and everybody gets tried to get first in Berlin. And I was with 100 young cadets because then I was coming officer, but not cavalry artillery officer. It was the idea, the plan. So I was then in the army, and but horses, there were nothing to do with horses. I'd been trained as a cadet, but this was a short period. Anyhow, by training, we were sitting in a barn near our barracks, and we get told how to salute the officer. Would you believe this typical journey? How to salute the officer. This was I never forget. We were sitting there, 100 young boys. And then the army shoot from one side and the Russian on the other side bomb this farm place. And from this moment on, I was on fighting, running. In the night, we were digging holes. Each group of 10 had a Panzerfaust over the shoulder, a rifle with 10 light munition. So nothing. But we were digging and trying to stop the tanks till from the hundred were ninety dead. But it was just going automatically. We were just we were believing in just what we are doing and this has nothing to do with brown or anything. It was war and we were fighting against the enemy. So and in the end when there was the, the last ten, our trainer was saying, Boys, I think it's time to run home. From this moment I try over five hundred miles in the night coming back home to Frankfurt. I didn't know my father was also then soldier in the south from the French were coming from this part into Germany. In the second last months of the war, my father got shot in the head like a bad movie because it's just war. My mother was bombed out in Frankfurt and I was running on my way to stay alive home to reach Frankfurt. which was also special because it was just difficult to stay alive because there were so many people who were trying to kill Germans. You have done this in your history, chasing us for no reason because we were just poor, small kids. Anyhow, I arrived in Frankfurt, finding out with my father, finding out that my mother was bombed out, but we had one room from the apartment, was one room where we could stay in, where it didn't rain in. And then I had to stay alive and to do something with my mother. Because the situation then was absolutely, because Frankfurt was bombed out. You know by films and movies how Frankfurt or how the center of Germany was bombed. I'm not complaining, it was just war. We started there to pay for it. And so I got to find somebody, friends of my father. 
because I was a small kid, been now pushed in a situation where I had to look for the food for my mother and myself because there was no jobs. The life was completely dead. But talking about the father, the horses for my father were high-class horses, half-bred horses. And the army took everything. If you have a bike or a car, or if you have a wagon horse, the army took. But this half-bred horse were not good for the wagon, so they would be sent to private use. So in my father's case, he sent his horses to a race trainer for stable chasing nearby Frankfurt. So I was going to Mr. Weir, who had a race. And in this time, race table. Why race table? In, even if it's gambling always goes, racing goes, needs money. And there are always people who have money. Even if in wartime, there have been people who are losing and money or making money. So in this case, the army in front of Frankfurt, there was a racetrack. So the greenfield was no problem. Greenfield, the army made the cutting. And the black market get also money to have gambling, making horse racing. So and Mr. V was happy to see me because then I was a boy of 16, getting 17, who knew everything about horses. Of course, I had to clean horses. I had to clean my own horses. So it was not beginning a groom. There nothing groom, but I was complete because I loved horses. I know everything about horses. So for him, it was good to get now a trained soldier who get his, they had a bunch of grooms. When not grooms, it was just people who got from the road because there were no regular horse organizations. So I entered into racing because of the clients. I got Chesterfields as a money. I mean, the, the biggest part was getting cigarettes, the packages, Lucky Strike, Chesterfield. This was where you can get something. I had still my work clothes on. First, I buy me a tailor suit because there was nothing else until a suit. Because before I was just, my hair were shortly cut. I was clean, but I was just in old army clothes without ranks. So then I was Herr Winkler. So then I made me a riding suit. So I was with these suits, that's where my civil uniforms, in self-defense. And I got enough to eat. So it was very interesting because I was... He asked me to ride in training, race horses. It was a very good experience, which what was not done before. It was done with, with my experience with Salah, this side of the sport. This was okay, fun. He tried to adopt me on child sort because he had no children and I was a clean guy. Everybody wants me <laughs> because I was just intelligent who does any kind of job. I'm not job, but the whole thing started in one of these days, lift me up to get me on the horse, on the race horse. Then he found out that I was, I looked small, but I, I have heavy bones. I was too heavy to ride for the good horses. So then I had to ride the flat horses, the hurdle horses, and the type of horse were really rotten and dangerous. So I said, Hans Günther, this is not the right thing for you to do. You have to change racing in this way. No. Because anyhow, I want still to want to go to the Olympic Games. And in one of these times, I had to wear the, you know, in racing, horses get painted when they're being successful. When you have a good horse, it was not a photograph, you get a painter. So there was a professor from Austria who was coming under the race track because the officers and all these people that painted their race horses. In one of these days, I was on the green field, had to show a stallion, beautiful looking stallion for a gentleman. And I was just then in normal working clothes. And uh, Professor Kühlbrand was then the, the very good the painter. He asked me very fatherly, like, my son, what do you want to do? What, what is your future? Because there was no future. There was no future at all. And believe me or not, I was saying very clearly, well, as a boy, I had a dream or the wish to be a cavalier. But sport will come, because by reading my books, history, I know that you win and you lose sports, but the life has gone on, and that always, even in the worst part, rich people come, new people come, horses come, it will go on. So I believe, by that's what I've read to the books, I've swallowed that the sport will go on, there will be the next Olympic Games. So I told this gentleman, staying on this green field with, with a bombed out Frankfurt in the backyard, I wanted to make it as a businessman, because I had to be a businessman, otherwise only amateurs could compete in Olympic Games. So in the army, you have to be an officer, 
then you've been an amateur. If you've been in a lower rank, you've been out. It was unfair because if you say so, then if you talk about profession, then the officer have been paid to write and to work. So but this was the time. So anyhow, I had to be working. So anyhow, I told this professor, he looked at me, tried to explain that this, what I'm saying is nuts. This is impossible. First of all, the situation. Then how would you come? You need horses. Say, I will do it, he said. He looked at me because I, he was a nice, friendly Austrian, very charmant. He said I was finished my experience with racing. This was a nice step, but was not the right thing. Then I go to the next friend of my father, to the Kronberg Castle in Kronberg. It's a high-class place near Frankfurt. An old castle belonged to the last daughter of our emperor. So this stable, the headmaster of the stable, like queens or royalties, have horse stable, coaching, hunting, jumpers, have a big stable. But then this, the whole castle ground was occupied by the American army as the headquarter from General Eisenhower. So, and I was at the address to get Herr Eckhart. Herr Eckhart was the rank of a colonel, German colonel, and one of the top German dressage teachers, Olympic standard, because one of the prince from Preussen was in the lower head selected for the German Olympic Committee for in Berlin. So that was high class people, high class not only royalty but also horsewives. Wonderful horses in the stable. But my case was getting into place where I get still enough to feed my wife and myself because it was not the time to make business. It was a time where the Americans didn't speak with us because we had this big burden from the concentration camp, so we were undermanned. Nobody speak with us. But I must say, I, I got to him. He told me the way to, to the office, and he had no influence. He just showed me the way because the Americans were very strict. And they said, they will ask you as a gardener, the employed gardeners. But as a chance, they had these 35 horses, the stable full of horses from the officers, from West Point officers, they call it Hall of Cavalry. They had selected the best horses they found there in the stable. And they needed grooms. So this is the chance to come a little bit to better situation. So I've been asked what do you want as a groom. Left my finger groom. And I can choose the horses I like to clean because I, I know good horses. And they were the best fantastic horses. So I choose six fantastic horses. That means like having six horse horses to clean. Of course, getting well nice in a stable castle ground, even the backyards were nice grooms, wonderful food, cigarettes to buy things. If I would mention that the colonel has given me this, they would kick me out. So there was absolutely fair, unknown, no paper, nothing, no. Fourteen days, the major was in charge of the stable, because the armies, everybody has to control something. The horses were, looked fantastic. It's like a mirror. It was fun. And I was doing my job, but I was not working hours. I was early and was the latest. Because I was doing this always because I loved this thing. Being in charge of the headquarters horse, the stable from General Anders were 15 for his top people, his general staff. That's your job. To There's these 15 horses. They and I have been fantastic keeping and always ready to serve our officers. It was a dream job. So then was the time when I made my, with the cigarettes, my riding dress, so I was Mr. Winkler, not Hans. And to being separated, a step to where I wanted to go, I had to be something better looking. I've been teached and I've learned everything that's kept me alive. But I was nobody, so I couldn't say I'm great, so I had to prove. After three months, you know, I haven't told this, you're lucky. For three months, the major in charge of the stable comes. Tomorrow morning, 9 o'clock, with two horses, this one, this one, ready to go in, for the general to go out in the forest. 
they noticed it because we had to hack the horses. And they noticed that I couldn't sit on a horse. So they were not done. So you, then comes the general, salute, look, what's your name? Hans, couldn't be like a father, Eisenhower. He was a very kind general, not a tough other guys. My order was, and this I never understood why, in this time, no bodyguards, no adjutant. My job was to lead this general, field marshal, the highest ranking American officer, to the forest and bring him healthy back. Simple as this. Because they see my work, what I'm doing, they were not talking to me, just so I was riding one and a half year with the general. In the middle of this, after a half year, General Cyber, the first C of the general, General Eisenhower, asked me to ask you. He wants to adopt you as a child, as a childhood. As an adoptee, adopted on childhood. What was being nothing, like winning a million bucks. I said, can I think about it? Yes, but don't wait too long. So I said, yes, I'm willing because it was for me unbelievable. It was the steps would be too dramatically high. I couldn't, not that I'm dumb, but I thought there must be a hearing, there must be something. So I said, okay. So the next step was then you have to drive with the colonel, the personal adjutant from General Einler, who makes his runs after his affairs, to Frankfurt headquarters. The whole army was considered the jobs were done in Frankfurt, Höchst, where the people who like to go to Holy Land, the Jewish and everybody has to go to this hall, get the papers. So we are driving to Frankfurt. The colonel looked at me and said, why a man like you, what have you done to the general? you know what he has offered you? I said, no, I haven't a clue. So we're driving on, coming then to the big headquarter. Then there were hundreds of lines with Jewish people who tried to get out to America. And we, with the jeep, with the colonel and I, passing this, passing, 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 passing. And he said, you know what I mean? All these people want to leave, given everything to come to America. And you, passing them as a nobody German, and coming right away to the chief. General Manager, Ambassador of America. The same story. Coming in, Colonel Salutes, Archidan, and he gets up. It was not shown the honor. There was, a, was nothing. Shaking hands, please sit down, look to my papers, and looked at hands. We looked out of the window, looked at me. He knew what's written. He wants you adopt your child, but there's one thing I have to tell you, and you have to think about it. It's only for you, not for you. I read in your papers that you're the only child and your mother is still living. So I have to tell you that by rules, even General Eisenhower can break the rules. It's for you, he can do it. But for your mother, no, no, you have to stay. I said, yes, can I think about it? I still was completely overruled. I was not jumping, I tried to stay cool and had to think about it. But on the way, by seeing all that was happening there and driving back to Kronberg, I thought by myself, no, 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 you can't do it. You can't do it to your mother. Even though it was in these days where people have not such a close because of situation, people, the way of life has changed, they would do it just to write to America and say, Mother, I, I get you back. But for me, for our generation, it was impossible. I said, no. So I coming home, asked to see the general. I now looked at me. He had a nice trip. Yes, I had a nice trip. Thank you very much for the opportunity. But forgive me, I have to tell you that I can't take this offer, this opportunity. Why not? Because I have a mother, and she lives in Frankfurt, and I can't leave her alone. He looked again, he looked again at me. It's too, my legs get very cold by talking about all these stories. I would be very astonished if he had taken this. It wouldn't fit to my idea how a man has to behave in certain situations. And shake my head, looked in my eyes, in this moment, I had a friend. So I had taken a big respect to me. But as part of my favor, my life, don't ask me why I, was, I didn't take I take the first get it and then think. So I've done smartly what I had to do. I had my idea, what I wanted to do. It. I want one of the great writers. I want, I want, but I don't want half. I know that all of my books, the history, it's a long way to Tipperary, but don't lose your line.
So from that point, I was going then, I finished then in, in Cornwall because it's time when life got organized. Then I take this job in a, in a big business uh, from a friend. I got the offer to learn business, to get back to not a cigarette ideas, to normal life. And started then with very small horses. My girlfriend, but was a friend, not, not of my hundreds of girlfriends, people there I have, even though were not so many. Um, we started in German classes, but it was noticed that I had more talent than the most old officers, also than the farmer boys, because I had also with, in my time in Kornberg, in the afternoon, I could ride in my free time the Dressage Grand Prix horses from Mr. Eckert. So I had been trained in racing, cross country, and Grand Prix. So that has given me as a talent. My best friend in the last 60 years, the Duke and the Duchess of Nördningen was a big old, big horseshoe place, big family. Then in 1958, I traveled with one horse in a railway car to Nördlingen to compete. That means four, four and a half hours driving in a car, this railway car, four and a half hours, with one horse. Over class L at one meter thirty, nothing. I was seven. That's how I started in this wonderful place. But I was just the start. I don't know why I've been going there, but it was the thing for the beginning. And I traveled back. Next year I was coming back, and I was a little bit more clever. I had a little bit of horse. Then I get a few places. Then the Duke and Duchess invite me to stay in their home ground. Don't ask me why. I have nothing to talk about Eisenhower. I just ask me, you stay with us? Like the people do, if you've been accepted, I stayed there. It was part of my life. So, anyhow, it was second time my start there and nothing. And in the last years, then I was getting successful and coming closer to Reichsport, Bert Reichsport. Then I've been asked to come to the Sherman Olympic Committee. That was a step. But the thing was that the president said, I think I have a job for you because I needed a job, a paid job, business job, office job to keep my amateur standard and to come closer to the real sport. In 1948, I was saying, 1953, 4, was the German team first coming with the team to America. Is this 53 or 54? I think 53. So I was in the state with Fred Stiedemann, Helga Köhler, Harrisburg, Washington, New York, Toronto. We were absolutely nothing. I had nothing on my papers. Fred Stiedemann was 10 years older. He had his career, but also more national when we were coming to America. And there was this General Marilis from Mexico. He was the godfather. He was the writer to beach. He won the gold medal in London. He was just the top guy. And first of all, then when we were coming, I was also nobody. I had my dinner jacket. I was then well-dressed as a member of the team. They invited me to theater and in the breaks. So we're staying in line. And all these people, you know Cappy Smith? This was a wonderful friend. Billy was staying in line, and I was staying a little bit smaller in front of them. And everybody was asking for a drink. And I was asking one Coke. And the Negro, the Negro is one of your mixed Americans there. He was saying one buck. He was saying one buck. In the minute of one buck, big hands were reaching over my head. He grabbed him on his neck, lifted him up and said, how much? 40 cents. Then he opened his hand. It was Cabby Smith, a lifetime friend. The whole story was a movie. And then I was friend. I was accepted together with him, family, family, family. So then I had my experience in Harrisburg. I was better in Washington, General Eisenhower, then the President of the United States of America, Mr. Eisenhower. There was this break completely. I never afraid about him. The boy who was riding in the forest, then quit the job, 
finished up with six chains of nothing, nothing personal. There was just part. And then we were invited to his office, the Oval Office, the teams. I was three or four meters, four meters away. He looked at me, smiled, and when the official meeting was over, there comes his adjutant and said, the president likes to talk to you. So then this man, most powerful man of the world, talked to this man who was riding in the forest with him. This is America. So he was coming, we're sitting, and then he was talking and about the time he enjoyed it. He was a wonderful companion, and he always said, so that, that, he, that he, I didn't take it, but I understood. So that was General Eisenhower. Then coming to the New York, it was clear that General Mariles was winning the classes. This was then. He was, in his moments, in these years, unbeatable, especially in speed. And I had Halla. Halla was a very special horse, but I had no Olympic Games, nothing. It was the first abroad. I won the first class. I won the second class. I won the puissance, and then the general was furious. He was furious. He couldn't accept that somebody else could win. In the Grand Prix, was everybody was faster, faster, faster. And I was coming on the last. And the mayor was very fast, but could jump more than any horse around there or in the world. She could jump a double with two strides and one stride. So I met in the last line, Miss Megan, with smoldering line, vertical, vertical and the big oxer, two strides, but I made it in one. The line was to the middle. So after the finish, it was a left to right and there was a big wall. It's not made for horse shows. Eh? I fly with the horse to the finish line. Then I thought she was turning left, but she was turning right. Then in the middle, I fly passing her and turn in the air on my mind. I was sitting on the ground, looked at the time, and beat general by one thing. Everything was out, his, the garden was bursting. And in the New York Times then, headaches from an aspirin salesman. But then when I was coming to America, I had an employee, I had a business appointment with aspirin. Aspirin is a German firm. And I was the assistant from the aspirin corporation in order to keep my amateurship. And the general manager also tried to ask me to stop my riding because I had the quality for the management. Only then I had to quit and had to go in the office, in these big firms, from job to job to get qualified. So I said no, because still I had in mind not to finish in the office, even though that was a, everybody had in mind to going up with Salah and stepping out and being then known, being not only just general manager. I wanted to get to the top. He had no money. I had a feeling that I can do better than everybody. Later on, when I was in jail, because I had trouble with drugs, Billy and I saw the General Mariles in the jail in Mexico and tried to speak out for him. We couldn't do everything, but we had to make his life a little bit softer. But in the end, he was got killed in a French prison. Anyhow, I decided, because I had no money and there to be not big sponsors, I had to be with my way of behavior. I made him think that I had money, that I was, that he didn't touch me. I was very solid and that made up a reputation. So with that reputation, even being a world champion in Madrid, people couldn't make anything with me. There was only a man like Fritz Tiedemann, who was a wonderful person, who was a star. He was 10 years older, had a big call, horse like Meteor. The only handicap was my horse was faster, higher, and quicker. So, but we had never any problem. So, when people riding Hala, seeing me with Hala, was, it was not a thing you could see because he was, she was so sensitive. And you have to be so delicate with her that uh, it looked easy. But it was easy because I found the key to her. And the thing with Hala, she was intelligent. I was badly injured. Under normal circumstances, I couldn't make it, but we were three riders, first time out, first time going for medal, even maybe for gold medal. So in the first round of the big Olympic competition, I hurt myself in the second last fence by pulling my tendon in the left side. 
so that I couldn't control my legs. But the result where I was, till this moment I had clear rounds, she jumped his second last fence into the last fence. She ran through because she had no help and I was hanging like a sack on her neck. And she was running to the outgate and there they catch me. But I was on horseback, so I was finishing the competition with four folds. They carried me, so take me arm under arm so that I had to push my legs on the ground and put me on the bank. So the decision was very clear. For me, it was clear. Always, I've been this funny guy who had these dreams from being the greatest, the best, and I could be a hero or a coward. The coward was the normal thing was, they're coming, they wouldn't take me immediately to Sankra and to the hospital. That was the end of the story. There was no way, because my history, and also for my friends, it was, we were in Germany, we believed in when soldiers, it was a fall. We were going to flag, and we were proud to make us proud for Germany. So I had to stay. No, not thinking. The only thing was, I had to stay. The first bus was getting on and falling down, carrying me on the stretch out of the ring. But I had to go in. Anyhow, in these times, people were tougher. Didn't make so much noise about if something would break something. So, but this case was a thing between me, Halle, and Germany. And it was the key point for my whole life. So, by sitting there at three hours' time, I was sitting on this bench. They took my my girt, put it on my legs. So, as long as the legs were together, I refused the care. The metal care, the metal care had to go to the Sankra, to the hospital. That was the end of it, because they wouldn't let me, it was out. So then our veterinarian, Dr. Büsinger, was a member of the CD event team, medal winner from Helsinki. He was staying behind me, they put your trousers down there, making a circle around me, and put brine in my back, and the doses. So I was sitting there, waiting for the moment. Then we have a preparing ring. There is a three rings. One, two, three, start. So that everybody has to be in time to start. If you've been not there, you've been out. The time was to get ready for the competition. Get me from the bench. I hang between the two guys, friends, and carry me to the horse. Everything fine because I didn't move my muscle thing. But then I have to get up. So I met my left sticks that I get straight up to the height of the readers, the rest of the horse. So I mean, this was okay. But then I have to lift my leg to this horse. I lift the leg, I fall into the horse, I lost my conscience, and Hala took off, not walking with me like a I couldn't. Pain was so killing that I hadn't control over myself. The mare was great. Even she was she carried her, her friend and let her catch and bring me down, getting me down on the on the bench, on the small bench. And Dr. Brian said, we need coffee, black coffee. I have no clue. I mean, uh, I saw this like a movie. Everything was like a bad film. So they got this pot, black coffee, put me another painkiller, and I had to drink the coffee. Swallowed the coffee in black. It was ghastly. But it wake me up. I could see again the force. But then I lost my first preparing ring. The second ring we walked to because then I have made one single trot with a center, not to go or something. To the second, then I start trotting, but bouncing a little, little bit, sort of. A little bit kinder. And then I had to go to the middle line to jump this small fence. Children friends. Then I turn around and stop. See, I can't see anything. So, anyhow, with the small preparation, who made me think it goes, who they at least able to start. Then we're saying, three minutes, two minutes, you have to go. They push me in, really, gives me a clap on the back. Haven't made one trot, one canter, no jump, jump in. 
galloped in, saluting the king, the jury, turned around on a long ring like jumping a hunter on a long line, completely by herself. Mm-hmm. And this mare jumped all all the meters, only because the, the thing with her was that he couldn't touch her. So in the minute he, he, I was riding with weight, moving forward, weights forward, sitting straight, halfway, leaning back, pull. So with this system, I was coming the first one. In the minute she had lifted up, uh, to close my legs because not to fall down, I cry. Everything was silent and I, she, like somebody, has put a knife in my body. She jumped higher, wider than ever, not running. I was giving the way on, but it was just going on. It was just uh, like friends who want to finish a job, but it was not done with left, right, left, right, giving helps for us, nothing. So any fence after fence, combination water, I think over 30 people were on the ground. It was a very heavy ground. Even though in these days, people were solid. So the the material was very tough. She couldn't get us. She finished up in a clear round. It was the, the moment I never will forget, and it's made my life. Today, she still gets letters, sugar, people write. After all these years, so this is, as you may notice, with five different horses, with medals and championships. Just to show when, when I finished with Hala, the people said, yeah, Hala, with Hala he can do it, but he can't write, can't write, jealousy or what it was. I don't know. Then I proved, I finished Hala in the end of 1960 in Brussels, biggest show, double two rounds with a jump off, with all the top horse riders, and told the judge before, when I've been winning, I want to stop Hala, and that means I have to go down, take the saddle off. That was the end of the story. She didn't, of course, she was healthy enough to do two rounds and make money. But I think it was too much. It was wouldn't be unfair for me and for her. So I finished her unbeatable, and that was the biggest point. With all success, and even so that I'm still the most successful rider in Olympic Games up to the UB famous book. And, of course, so much you owe to Haller, and what a wonderful partnership that was. You have ridden so many good horses. You've been involved with the sport for such a long time, Hans. Now, when you look at the riders today, who do you enjoy watching? First, it's all the beautiful horses, fantastic horses, even beautiful riding, because thanks to the horses, horses makes riders, and very few riders make horses. But in these days, the breeding has so much improved, our breeding, or the breeding from Holland, Belgium, Germany, France, that it is a joy to see them. So with all this, I wouldn't dream of, and all the money can be won. I wouldn't change my time with this time. Even though I've been 100%, I've been more involved in riding. Before I was a gentleman rider, was doing my riding, and society is society. Not that I've been lazy, but it was wonderful, but not hectic. Everything was with time to go to race, time to go to theater. It was a fantastic life. This is this is now, this is business, professional. But this is not, I'm not complaining. The time has changed. The sport has changed. The whole sport is professional, like it or not. And so with the pre- talking about riding, with the fantastic horses, not a few servers, but also been made for the sport, specialized three-day jumping and dressage. Unbeatable, beautiful to watch, easy to ride. It's a joy, but I see it. I can see it. I like to see it. I congratulate, I've been a sponsor for a few shows, but we have 52 Sundays, all in America, 50 Sundays. And we have over 4,000 horse shows in Germany. And my wish was to get a break in a season, like in any sport, that you have two months out. Get a sponsor who put a horse on grass and the riders to Miami or to in, on the beach to get a break, to give it the whole rider industry uh, uh, recovering time. It's difficult because money is so strong and before the riders had something to say, but now they're professionals, they have to sing the song. This is like if I don't have to complain it, I don't, and I think we do everything to, 
to keep being nice to our horses, even with all the difficulty we have. But it's it's and it all has beautiful life. But it's money, 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 and money has a very bad influence. Even though the sport is fantastic, if you see Aachen or the big shows, it's a joy. But all there's a number of jumps they have to make, a number of riding, riding, riding. I've been very fond of America, and thanks to my international competition, and then being 27 years married to an American girl from New York City, Debbie, who suddenly died last year, 30 years too early and left me alone, but I fulfilled our dream. Debbie and I had a good horse, was now going in the Grand Prix, and I wish for Debbie and for myself that this horse make it again paradigms, chestnut. So this is a dream. Horse was just third in the nation in France and fifth in the Grand Prix. He's, he's a very good horse. So if this is complete my stop, for Debbie and I that have been in my age also so not only a toy trainer, also owner from a top horse, then I would be happy from Stockholm to London. But this is wishful thinking. Mm. That would be too much. But at the moment, I've been also a successful owner in the top region. Well, it is an amazing career, and what a wonderful story, Hans. I want to thank you very much indeed for sharing part of your life with us. I hope you'll join me again next time when we visit the life of another equestrian legend. In the meantime, please visit our sponsors at PessoaUSA.com.